You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Kevin John White is the author of the newly released Dancing on a Razor, a memoir of hope, addiction, recovery, and faith. Kevin won the 2018 Best New Canadian Manuscript Contest held by the Word Guild, a Christian community of writers, editors, speakers, publishers, booksellers, and librarians. In this interview, Kevin shares some of his journey to recovery, the healing power of writing and community, and touches on his rich family legacy of faith and Christian publishing. I'm Karen Stiller, and we hope you enjoy this interview. Kevin, your story includes life on the road for years, a battle with alcoholism that includes many setbacks and many victories, and also the rich heritage of a strong Christian family and the love of a local church and a couple who walked with you no matter what. And it's an amazing story. And thank you for joining us today to talk about it. I'm more than happy to. And hello to anyone who's listening. One thing that permeates uh, your book, Dancing on a Razor, is really a story of God's grace. And I'm wondering if you can just tell me a little bit about what you learned about God's grace through your journey. The first thing that I learned about it was that um, it's hard to understand because it's so it's so big and it's so constant and it's always there. I, I began to notice it when um, it, it would come at the at the times when I was at my absolute worst is when I began to notice it most. Uh, when I would I would be just absolutely in uh, in a horrible. Um, situation uh, full of uh, sinfulness and and just just down and beaten and destroyed and all of a sudden God would just do this these impossibly kind and uh, generous things to me and I sometimes I would just I'd burst into tears because I, I just didn't understand I couldn't comprehend what what he was doing and um. And as uh, time went on, and um, I sort of began training myself, in a sense, to be aware of of His presence in my life, and and seeing all the multitude of small things that He would do, and I'd see these small kindnesses that would happen along the way. Just, you know, I might say, I, like I, I was telling Julia, I, I'd, I might say, you know, God, like, you know, do you really even care that I'm out here and just immediately after I'd say that, a gust of wind would knock my hat off, and then I'd go chase my hat across the road, and I'd bend down to pick it up, and a and a deer would step out of the woods and just stare at me, and then kind of walk over and just calmly put its head down and start eating the grass. And I, you know, I'd scratch my head and go, you know, God, is that is that you? And taken individually, um, you know, you'd think, well, it was just a coincidence or whatever. But I I began to see all these small things and i think what i've eventually come to understand about it is that he's crazy with it he, he's just he has so much of it and he wants to give it all the time to everyone and uh he doesn't care whether you're good or bad or 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 whatever actually i felt like i got more grace when i was out on the road being an idiot than <laughs> um than i do now you know because uh, i mean it's just it was just much more obvious to me yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, and uh, I I think he's just uh, it's a constant 
thing that he and and what I've seen is that it's his it, grace seems to be a vehicle for him to bring his love into reality. That's how he takes his love. Like we say, God, you know, loves us, but how does he express that? Well, okay, so we're justified and sanctified and all that good stuff, but but how does that work out in reality? And it works out in reality through the grace of God being expressed in the kindnesses that he gives us on a mm. daily basis, on a, on a day-to-day thing where we begin to see it and come to recognize it. Yeah, the kindness that you experienced um, during the many years you spent sort of living on the road, I guess, really comes through in your book. I, I want to read a little passage that uh, really struck me. You write, I had been reborn and belonged heart and soul to the road, like I was bewitched, enchanted in a way that moved me to my very core. For the first time in my life, I felt freedom, and it was this feeling that kept me returning to the highway like my lover. It was as though I had been unchained, free to explore a vast new world. Um, So that actually sounds pretty great. (laughs) It's it's a wonderful description of uh, what you loved about life on the road you write about how you traveled from sort of one end of canada to the other and beyond and the friends you made so not everything about those years was um horrible i guess tell me about how the good the good parts of that life for you and how how you are now sort of settled down how did you make that transition um what was amazing was the the things that would happen and again i have to bring it back to god because he he never left and i was constantly aware of his presence and i always knew right from the start that i belonged to him even before i was a christian i knew that somehow before i even accepted christ into my life i knew it because he had already begun conversation with me initially it was that sense of freedom and and being able to to come and go as I chose to to meet all kinds of fascinating people and learn how to interact with them. Uh, it expanded my understanding of people and of cultures, uh, the native cultures, for example, and the uh, and the uh, Latino culture, cultures in in the states when I lived in the states and and um, and um, learning how to understand people with uh, mental health issues and learning how to understand dangerous people and how to how to interact safely with people that were you know uh flat out evil and um you know out for out for blood and um and so i really loved uh meeting the people because sometimes as a as a panhandler and as a busker people people want to hear stories of the road and they want to hear songs of the road and uh, so I would sing, and I would talk to them, and and I still I still do miss that. I, I miss that aspect of that life. So the good parts of that were were that, and and the incredible places I would find myself in. I mean, I'd find myself in some of the most beautiful places, in, in I mean, m- mysterious, magical places that were so beautiful. You'd think I was crazy if I told you about them. But, uh, you know, with waterfalls and purple mushrooms and yellow mushrooms, and it looked like Alice in Wonderland. But what, what began to trouble me was that be- I knew the truth. And I, I saw these people that they were suffering and I knew what it was like to be in God's presence. I had felt His Holy Spirit very powerfully on me uh, from time to time, 
and uh, the for brief periods of time when I would be sober and I'd be uh, really, really intensely seeking God and begging for His presence and His power in my life. And so I missed, I missed Him. I missed His presence. I mean, He made Himself very, very real to me. And also, when I saw the people around me that I had grown to love and to care for, and when I say the people around me, I don't mean a, a consistent group of people. I mean just my people, my my people, meaning the people that were drunks and addicts and and prostitutes and and and, and crackheads and dope fiends and you know uh, people like that. Those were my people, and I saw them suffering, and I knew inside myself that there were, I had answers for them. I had ways of healing for them and that I was powerless to transmit those things. And, and that sense of uh, impotence and uh, inability to do anything uh, really began to trouble me. And uh, at that point in time, um, by that time, I had, I had been, I'd, I'd seen the suffering that my lifestyle had caused others and I was grieving over that. And uh, right around that time was when I, I was, I became suicidal. And uh, for some reason, I went into the hospital. I was dying. I'd been, I, I'd been, I'd been throwing up huge volumes of blood. Like at at one point, I, I threw up over a third of my blood in in, in three hours or four hours. And and um, and so when I, by the time I I ran into Steve and Julie Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, I was dying. I was I was in very very bad physical condition and emotionally I was just uh, lost and uh, desperate and um, had nowhere to turn and had no hope left. I had absolutely zero hope that I could ever get sober. I, I determined that I was gonna. Uh, I was a drunk. I was gonna die drunk, probably in some back alley from some injury somehow. And um, you know I'd been dead already a couple of times and. So making the transition, <laughs> I'm still making the transition. Um, you know, I still, I, when I first um, got sober, I found it very difficult to live indoors. I couldn't go into stores. I couldn't go into mall. Going into a mall was just absolutely out of the question. I found it difficult to be inside. Uh, I wouldn't uh, go inside the sanctuary of the church for the first four or five months that I was there. And uh, uh, so I was very uncomfortable around normal people. Um, I felt very uh, less than, and, uh, uh, but I, they didn't condemn me. They just sought to understand. They, they, they wanted to know how to help. And they were, you know, I had people say, you know, we want to help you, but we, we don't know how we, you know, and quite frankly, you scare us, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, um, so the transition is something that it was, is gradual. And one of the main things that occurred was that it wasn't just Steve and Julie, they, they were the initial, they were the conduit. They were the initial people that sort of took me in and brought me in and gave me the, the courage to say, okay, I'm going to do this. But it was the community of, of, of believers that gathered around me and that continued to walk with me through the difficulties that I had in adjusting to being a normal human being. Um, like paying rent was something new to me. Uh, 
or paying a, a bill. I mean, a phone bill was just like outrageous. Just even having a phone was ridiculous for me. These were all new experiences that I had to sort of get used to. And yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think I went through four phones in, in two years just because I couldn't stand even having them. I didn't like, I didn't like them very much. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. So, Kevin, you mentioned uh, Steve and Julie. Steve was your doctor, and Julie is his wife. They're a Christian couple who had you invited you into their uh, their home to live as you um, went through your process of detoxing and getting your life back. And um, and you write in the book about what an amazing gesture that was, you know, looking back especially. And you write very movingly of what you just mentioned, the local church coming together and never giving up on you, it seems. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many lessons there for um, – other Christians who might listen to this who don't know how to respond to someone they see in such desperate need, or even how to respond well to people, you know, on their city streets or on the outskirts of their town who may seem so other than them. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to just to share, Kevin, um, what your advice is, I guess, for you know, quote unquote, normal people who might want to help and reach out and befriend. How, how can we do that better? How can we be kind? One of the first things to realize is that um, Christianity in the, in the addictive, addicted community, and um, it, it, it doesn't have a very good track record in helping people with their addiction. Oftentimes they expect, you know, they'll expect a handout or a meal or something like that. Um, and it, and a lot of it will depend on how much people actually like to what, what level of help they, they are, are really looking for. Um, and, and you got to be careful too, because I mean, as, as much as you may want to help, um, and there, um, I think the main thing is if you're going to help, do it without um, without condition. Um, you know, they may you may know that they 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 may not be using it for what you, supposing they, they if they need if they're asking you for money, um, you may suspect that they're not going to use it for what you know what it, what they're saying they're going to use it or or like. Um, like eventually, I when I was panhandling, I just I eventually just gave up lying and I just told the people exactly what I was doing. But um, uh, a lot of times, deception is involved, and you have to be aware of that. That is their lifestyle, and and they are afraid. First of all, they're they're afraid of you. Um, they're afraid of being rejected by you. They're they're they're, they're I'm I'm they're positive that they will be rejected by 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 people. Uh, because that's a that's a very uh, big part of 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 the things that you have to go through as a as a as a dope fiend and as an alcoholic, uh, especially if you're homeless. Um, there are those that are not homeless, but um, in particular, I'm speaking about the about the homeless. So I think the 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 first thing would be to do if you're going to help do do it without condition, but search and ask questions um don't be afraid to sit and talk for a minute and and say you know like hey uh, what are you doing out here um why are you here and dig a little bit because they will want to talk they they want people to i think most just want somebody to hear and understand their story 
and to to go okay well yeah you know I like I, I get that and um in that in that conversation being sensitive to the holy spirit and listening to what god is telling you about that person and how best you can um how best you can help them i think one of the best ways is to ask questions and listen to their story and then and and if you give 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 without condition and just reminding them that hey you know what God, God loves you, and He's never forgotten your name, and He knows who you are, and uh, and I'm here telling you this, and that's how you know He hasn't forgotten you is because I'm telling you this that mm-hmm. He hasn't forgotten you, and He knows who you are, and He knows your situation, and He knows what you need, and He can give it to you if you want. If you want it, all you got to do is just ask Him for it, and He'll give it to you, and and um. And maybe reminding them that they don't have to bring anything with them. That it doesn't cost. It, like they they don't have to become good to get to know God. Um, the good, the being good, comes with knowing that you're loved. Yeah. It comes with knowing that and and coming to understand the depth of of what of what God has done for you. And I mean that's what that's what freed me. It was seeing all in one place when I was writing that book, seeing it all together in one place, how faithful and how kind, and especially how kind God had been to me over many, many years, consistently over and over again, that broke my heart and that made me want to, it, it just it just made me realize, my God, you've been like this all my life and how, how have you been so kind to me and it's the kindness of god which lead led me to to repentance mm. and so i think being kind is just a just listening and asking questions uh, uh, about people and not being afraid to spend a moment and and hear some of their story and and come to understand where they're from and what they're what they're about um i think that really uh is one of the best ways to be kind Oh, thank you, Kevin. That is a great answer and challenging to me. And I will, I, I'd love for you to solve this for me because I've, that has occurred to me sometimes as I've walked by uh, people and I will try to say hello. And then sometimes I've thought I should stop and talk. And then I think I confess that I'm, I'm afraid, like you said, you named it, the fear we feel. And then I think, well, then what will I do? Like, I, I mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I don't know, opening this situation that I might not be able to handle. Well, there is one other thing that I, I wanted to add <clears throat> probably to that. And this is a challenge. I'm reminded of that song by Nazareth, Love Hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, love hurts. It's a risky business. It it requires of us. It requires uh, risk, and there there is risk involved. No two ways about it. Um, it requires um, uh, taking chances, and and it, it requires investment of of yourself. And so the question of whether we love or not is. Um, Really, it can be answered as, uh, like, am I willing to suffer for someone else? And, you know, and you have to be, you know, you can't be insane about it. You can't be silly and stupid about it. But yet, at the same time, 
uh, I mean, how insane was it that Jesus came and died for us? I mean, it was crazy. Who would die for a sinner? But it's while we were yet sinners, he came and died for us. When we say we love someone, uh, it's meaningless unless we're willing to, um, like Steve, it was, this was not easy for Steve and Julie. And it was not easy for many people in the church because they didn't understand. And I sometimes just acted like an idiot. And it would hurt their feelings, um, and I, I would say or do things that would it would that would hurt them. And there was forgiveness involved, and and then I would have to realize my sin and my, and I would have to ask for forgiveness. That came with relationship, but it's that idea that it costs to really love like Christ did. Yeah. Kevin, tell me more about the release of your book. When uh, when will it be out, and how can people find it? Um, it will be released, um, I believe, this June, um, this coming June, and uh, it can be uh, purchased through Castle Key Books. And uh, as I as I as you will probably mention, it's called Dancing on a Razor, and it's uh, tales of a. Uh, uh, Tales from the Lips of a Prodigal or something like that. I, I can't even remember the title of my own book here. <laughs> That's but, okay. Uh, I think you got it. Yeah. And uh, and it's, uh, yeah, so it's uh, released this June. And you, and um, uh, the best way to get it is probably through Castle Key Books. Now, your father, uh, Dr. John White, is a very famous Christian author in a lot of circles um, and wrote many books. So do, do you feel you're following in his footsteps here? Do you, do you have more books that will hit the world someday? <laughs> um, well, I, I was quite shocked uh, when I started writing that, I mean, I was even writing. The only reason I began writing was because if I didn't, they were going to kick me out of the treatment center that I was in. So... Um, I, you know, it was a, what dancing on a razor was initially just a journal that I began keeping and, um, began, they said, we don't care what you write about as long as you write about yourself. And so I had a, these questions about, um, things that had occurred in the past and I began to write about them and, and eventually that's how I was led to see the Lord. Um, so I didn't know I could write. I had never written anything in my life before. I never went to school past grade seven. So, I mean, my uh, spelling and grammar was, uh, you know, shaky at best. Um, although I, I read voraciously as a kid. So that was um, helpful, of course. Um, and yes, I, I do have, um, I actually have, uh, I have uh, one, two, I probably have about two or three books that um, I'm presently working on. Uh, that um, some I, I feel are important. One uh, one is uh, concerning alcoholism AA in the church. Um, another one is just a series of uh, of uh, sh smaller articles that I'm working on, and one is just a, 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 some concepts for a for a story that I would like to write. Oh, beautiful. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. We will be eagerly anticipating your book. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're very welcome, and thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith 
today. <laughs>